Hey, hey! Welcome back to Babu's Frickin' Podcast. As always, I'm Mike Chiati Ruby, joined here on the Jedi Council by none other than Brian Joyao Brian, what's up, man? I am discombobulated. We're moving. I'm in a new environment. It's a mess. My life is a mess. Is Obi-Wan Kenobi a mess? We're going to break that down. Yeah, there, there, there's a great disturbance in the Force. Um, one uh, amplified by the absence again this week of uh, the third member of our Jedi Council, Grand Moff Mark Valentine, who is on vacation this week. Oh, we're um, not ruling him out entirely. He could somehow pop in or pop in at the end of the episode. Sudden, yes, somehow <laughs> Palpatine returned. <laughs> So uh, entirely possible he may join us later. Uh, for those who are listening uh, via your favorite podcasting network, you may find him inserted later into the conversation if there's a follow-up. Um, but for sure, you're going to get a solid episode of me and Bar- me and Brian breaking down. Me and Brian, Brian and me, the grammar police are going to come after me. Here come the grammar Jedi. Um, we're going to break down episode five of Obi-Wan Kenobi which has been largely very well received within the Star Wars community, but also has some of us scratching our heads a little bit. So excited to dive into that. Uh, But first, uh, as always, our clarion call to say that if you like what you hear, uh, hit that like button, subscribe to the podcast, share with your friends and Padawans. And uh, with that, Brian, I think there were there were a few mudhorn eggs in this episode. But I don't I don't know whether it warrants the Jawas or not. What do you think? I think it warrants just the single. There we go. There were there there were definite things. There were there was there was a thermal detonator that that appeared. <laughs> um, ba- Bail Organa came back. Haja came back. The Bail Organa thing, man. We're gonna talk about that because I man, I'm just not. I just don't understand what's happening. I don't get yeah, it. That, yeah, for sure. But let's let's start with maybe the biggest quasi-mudhorn egg, but also just the central focus of this episode, the, the intellectual battle between Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker. The episode started off where lots of people wanted us to be from the beginning, with a flashback to the Jedi Temple on Coruscant and a a sparring session between Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker as a Padawan, the short-haired Padawan version, so episode two version, although they didn't really do any de-aging with, uh, with the, the, the handsome Hayden Christensen, uh, but it was back to full form, both of our favorite characters and actors swinging those lightsabers, twirling them around in, in styles very reminiscent of what we saw from them the last time that they battled on Mustafar. Um, what did you think getting these two back together in what was uh, literally sparring in flashback, but then uh, kind of mental sparring and the mental chess match that, that uh, ensued throughout the rest of the episode as Vader tried to hunt down Obi-Wan once again on uh the 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 home base of the path strongest part of the series for me honestly i think the way they balanced that and how anakin is still the guy in the suit like he's not only vader yet he hasn't fully killed anakin yet i do think we're gonna see vader kill anakin 
next week um, where where Obi-Wan tells Luke from a certain point of view, he did kill your father. Uh, I think we're going to actually see that killing of his father next week because I think Vader's still trapped in that mindset of Anakin. And I, I, I think it's the strongest part of the series, the way they interspersed that and the themes that were happening with the lessons that Vader still has yet to learn. Uh, I really enjoyed that. I wish they had done a lot more of it in the previous four episodes because it, it balanced really well. I really enjoyed that. I mean, and you can't keep Star Wars fans happy, man. They, they de-age and everybody complains how it looks. So then they don't de-age and everybody complains that he looks too old. Like, I, I mean, whatever. I don't care at this point. I, I bought into it. I also kind of took it at a whole other metaphorical level of if somehow, to your point, that he's still somehow Anakin the Padawan in the suit, mentally, you know, that's that's who he still is battling against Obi-Wan. He's still he's still that boy from Tatooine with short hair, you know, with with a buzz cut and a rat tail, you know, who's learning from Obi-Wan. And so the the idea that somehow he's in his late 30s and looking a bit older while still made to look as if he's a Padawan was it was it was a very on the nose potential metaphor or, or, or actually a literal flashback it didn't it didn't bother me because i figured if it's if it's kind of a representation cool if it's legit okay so he doesn't look 18 but he still looks young yeah i guess i would have put him late 20s early 30s not that, that really matters i suppose but like when the way they intersplice it with then you can't see his face under the helmet but the way he was marching with a purpose you could see exactly what was going through his mind and that uh, again, strongest part of the series for me. Yep. And I think they also, they paid off what we were hoping they would pay off, which is when last we met, I was but the learner. Now I am the master. You know, they they made it very obvious without Obi-Wan having to kick his butt, which may still happen in the next episode, but I don't know. I'm not as confident anymore that they're going to fight again. Um, he was taken down because he was defeated on a mental level and it was made very clear that Obi-Wan has still got one up on him. Obi-Wan still has the high ground, so to speak. Yeah. I, I, I still think they're going to fight next week. Um, the concept art for the show shows Vader in his suit and Obi-Wan um, on Mustafar fighting. Like, I don't know if that's going to happen. If, if Vader or if that's a lot to fit into one episode, if they're going to go back to Tatooine and then up on Mustafar because, but the concept art of the show had them fighting with a lava background. And I, I mean, I can't imagine that's on Tatooine. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. You also um, can't have Vader go to Tatooine and know of the existence of why Obi-Wan's even wanting to be there and then be able to avoid him for the next nine years. Yeah. We'll, we'll get to that cluster in a moment. Um, but I felt like they did a really good job of starting to establish what the, what the hierarchy is, like kind of what the power relationship is between the two of them. I thought that was really nice and they did it. Again, without having them have to have any saber to saber contact, you know, other than the flashback, um, mm -hmm. which I thought the flashbacks were handled really well. I've, I've, I've heard a number of people and spoken with a number of friends who said that they felt like this finally nailed what the flashbacks should have set up should have been in Book of Boba Fett, because it was a much clearer reflection of what was happening in the present versus the past, rather than taking these big, long flashbacks 
to somehow thematically line up with what was going on there. Yeah, I guess I never really considered that. I don't I don't hate that idea. The way they did the flashbacks in Boba Fett was simply dreams in the back to tank. So, I mean, that's interesting. I I don't I wouldn't have hated that. Yeah, so I, I thought that was interesting. I thought that was really cool. The the thing that really has everybody buzzing aside from seeing Obi and Annie back together on screen, though, is Darth Vader in all his glory. This, you know, the the, the one thing for all of the nitpicks that that folks in the Star Wars, you know, fandom have had, um, myself included in in that, um, it seems universal that the take is, and I've seen these words on many a social media platform that Disney is doing Darth Vader exactly right. That they, that, that every iteration that they have had of Darth Vader thus far from rogue one to rebels to now here in Obi-Wan Kenobi, that they have really nailed who he is as a villain, his snarky, sarcastic, sadistic sense of humor when he decides to say something from the dialogue to the way that he behaves. And we even got something new out of him in this. So on the one hand, we saw him in full power, the way that you see him in, in the cartoons, excuse me, in the animated shows, or that you see in the video games with him dragging a star cruiser down to the ground and ripping it apart with the force. Um, and then by the same token, we see him carry on an entire fight against Riva, where he never even ignites his own lightsaber. He spends three quarters of that fight defeating her and blocking her as if he's like Jaime, the Kung Fu master in, in Kill Bill, just blocking her with his hands with the force. And even what one-handed, he does that whole one-handed like block and push move. It looks like, a, it looks like he's like a Wing Chun master or something. I, I loved everything about him marching through the hallways, getting there, dragging down the ship, fighting Reba. I, Everything, the the dialogue, his reveal of how he knew all along that she was not what she claimed to be. Um, I'll stop and let you respond just because I could gush about who Darth Vader has been um, for the rest of this whole episode. I, I cannot disagree with that at all. I There is nothing that has involved Darth Vader that I have been disappointed in that performance. Uh, everything in Rogue One, I loved everybody talks about the hallway scene in rogue one, but what they don't talk about is uh, the, the conversation with Krennic about the, his aspirations. I love that scene. Um, there's so much good Darth Vader stuff that Disney has put out the season two finale of rebels when it's Vader versus Ahsoka. Some of my favorite star Wars ever. Um, so Disney Darth Vader, I don't disagree with that statement. My problem is, Everything else around this show, I'm very confused by the logic of a lot of it. But everything that's involved Darth Vader, I I absolutely love. The the whole bait and switch of calling her the Grand Inquisitor, making her the Grand Inquisitor, knowing full well what she's been up to the whole time. I had forgotten that we had not gotten confirmation that Reva was the Padawan in the beginning because we had talked about it so much that it was a foregone conclusion at that point. Yeah. Um, so when that reveal happened, I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess we didn't technically know that yet. Um, but what was interesting. Yeah. And we'll talk we'll talk more about Reva and that later. But yes, I agree with you. Everything Disney has done with Darth Vader. And I would be uh, upset with myself if I didn't mention the Charles Soul 25 issue comic run. <laughs> I have to. 
I, I, there were so many little things that he did in that scene that I loved. I loved when he slowed down her twirling double lightsaber blade with the force. And then he broke it in half and was like, here, try again and tossed her that. <laughs> tossed her when he of tossed it. it to her, man. Oh, I, oh. I love how he, how he doesn't even turn around to block one of her. He like parries her by like going behind his back. It was like a magic Johnson behind the back pass with the lightsaber. I love how he ultimately disarms her by kicking her in the shins. Like that's, Again, it goes back to Wing Chun. Like that's that's like a short, a short, sharp kick that like Bruce Lee would use um, to stop an attacker coming forward at him, and he just blunts her in the knee and grabs both blades and holds both at her. You know, almost like Ahsoka would. Um, it was great. It was just, it was just great. I went, I went Ahsoka, and I went double blades at the neck of Count Dooku, kind of all at the exact same time. Well, that was the the Dooku thing. Was I. I originally, I, I first thought when I saw it, oh my gosh, he's going to behead her like Dooku. Um, I was actually more disappointed that, you know, they, I guess it was mirroring the way he stabbed her when she was a child. Um, I have bigger issue with the fact that for some reason he just leaves her for dead. Kill her. Yeah. No, I agree with yeah, that. Yeah. Like didn't follow, didn't follow through. Um, we found something which, did wrong with Darth Vader. I guess. I, I just yeah. don't know why he doesn't kill her. I just don't understand why he doesn't kill her all the way. He wants her to I suffer. I don't I either. Yeah. That, yeah, I don't understand why he wouldn't have just got... I mean, unless he's like, you know, rubbing it in. She's totally, you know, where's she going to go? What's she going to do? She's mortally wounded. She's going to go to... Well, he thinks she's mortally wounded. Um, which then reveals the man who we thought was mortally wounded, but as we called it, was not. The return of the Grand Inquisitor. Um, who apparently, uh, who knew this, but the, uh, the alien species who are residents of Utapau have two stomachs. I was going to say, I was wondering if you did the same research I did. <laughs> I didn't even research it. I, I ended up, uh, I ended up stumbling on, uh, Rupert Friend appearing on one of the late night TV shows. I think he was on Kimmel and they bring up something about his race and he didn't say that he, whether he was dead or alive. He just said, well, you know, we have two stomachs and immediately was like, okay. Yeah. He's alive. So, so two stomachs and, uh, revenge, you know, what, what does he say? Re revenge does wonders for the will to live. I, I love him. Like I do too. It's a shame we removed him from the show for three episodes. Cause I, I hope we get I more of him next episode. Yeah. And that we get him in maybe some of the other things that are in this timeline, like Andor. That would be cool. Yeah, I feel like he can't be done. Like, we're not done with live-action Inqu Inquisitors at all. I, I would expect them to be at least part of the story in Andor, but it might be too early for that. I don't know. Maybe not. I guess it's about this time frame, isn't it? With Cassian as a kid. So, yeah. We need yeah. more Inquisitors. We need more of him. So, I... I'm conflicted on Reva. So on the one hand, I really like her character. I really, I think some of the things in her performance are a little, like things feel a bit off. I feel like they didn't quite help define her well enough, but like I loved her in the fight with Vader and I loved that kind of like primal scream she, she gave out. I thought, I thought she was great in that. I think her physicality is great throughout all of this. Um, I'm confused why Vader didn't kill her. 
I'm confused how she thought she could possibly sneak up on a Dark Lord of the Sith with her lightsaber already ignited. And I'm confused. You know, I think one of, you know, this episode was full of confusing questions for me. Why was she just standing around with three rows of stormtroopers while they blasted on the door instead of going up and pulling a Qui-Gon and just putting her blade in the way that she ultimately did after she had her little whisper chat with Obi-Wan? Like, I just... There's this strange logical stuff with her. So I feel like the idea of this, this, this Padawan survivor who is not quite a Sith, but not quite a Jedi motivated by revenge wants, you know, is definitely with the dark side and is, is out to hunt Vader. Like why did it take her this many years to put something in action? When did they find her relative to all this? Like there's just a lot of open questions about her that if I don't think about it, I can be okay. But if I use any common sense, it starts to bother me. The only one of those that I feel like I have the answer to is she had to get to Grand Inquisitor level to feel like she was close enough to him that she could actually find him in a position where she could take the revenge she wanted to. That's okay. the only one I feel like I have the answer to. Outside of that, I have the exact same question. Is Can you communicate through the Force? Because how do you talk through that heavy of a door and still hear each other? Uh, she should have done the Qui-Gon from the beginning, like you said. There's a lot of logic, and and I, I feel, I mean, we're the non-toxic Star Wars podcast. We're proud of not being toxic, but there has been many times where I've come on here with the Book of Boba Fett, particularly episodes 1, 3, and 7 that were directed by Robert Rodriguez, and the last two weeks where logic is defied, and I don't like that. Um, I'm not, I, I mean, and I think you, you're leading into this too. I, I was really high on episodes one and two. I liked a lot of three. I, I spoke my mind about episode four last week. I'm not as all in on this episode as the majority of the fan base is. I have, uh, the same questions you do logically. A lot of it didn't make sense. I honestly would have liked to have seen, I do like the revenge plot for Reva. I didn't honestly see that necessarily coming. I, we, I thought. Obi-Wan was going to be able to turn her, but the fact that she never officially turned and has doing her own version of the dark side, a gray Jedi kind of deal for lack of a better term was, was interesting. She played dead instead of Anakin taking him under her wing or under his wing. Like I thought was going to happen during order 66. Um, I don't know. I, I do like uh, Moses Ingram as the character. She's got that. Like you said, that really, that scream that is very intense and actually brings you into the end of the moment. I think the, the fight with Vader, the way she acted that fight, considering he didn't have his lightsaber out would have been choreographed. That would have been difficult to pull off. And I think that was way better pulled off than her fight against the T 47 last week. Um, so I like her. I do not think we're going to get more of her. Cause I think she's, she's a goner next week. Probably. I, I, I don't know. I, I I mean, the crazy thing about it is that there's so much stuff that I did love in this episode. I, I, I just gushed about a lot of it. All the, all the Vader stuff at the end. But, when he you know, I think I'm going to go back. Down, when he holds the ship with the force. like Oh my gosh, so yeah. good. Yeah. I, I, I loved when he ripped it, ripped it to pieces yeah. with the force where he just like pulled chunks out. My jaw dropped. Um, but I just, I, th I feel like I feel like I did with the last episode where I felt more tension with Obi-Wan and Leia in the back of Frank's 
truck than whether they were going to escape this thing. And it was a bummer that that Tala bought it. Um, and I was sad that she and and the droid both both you know did survive the episode. Um, so I, I, I had there I felt some stakes, but like it it didn't feel like it was like it didn't feel the same again. I identical situation. Moff Gideon and a battalion of stormtroopers are standing outside the cantina on Navarro. And I have no idea how they're going to get how Mando and his crew are going to get out. And it felt like that was just so much better executed in terms of building the tension and building how the escape was going to happen. Whereas here, like they fall back, they, they hold their line, they fall back. Obi-Wan comes forward and she lets him fall back again. And then he lets himself get captured so that he can get fall back again. Like it was just, I didn't quite get it. And it's like, why were, why were the, this? I, I think I had mentioned this to you and Mark when we were texting during the week. The staging of it felt sloppy to me. Like, why is it just rows of stormtroopers standing outside this door? Like, it, again, it didn't, it didn't feel like people just arriving and putting an entire cantina that has to be surrounded under siege. This was one location. So uh, stuff that I feel, I, I feel like they nailed the big things and then they didn't nail the little things. Yeah. And when it comes to nailing the, the, the little things, I'll call it a little thing. Some would consider it a big thing is the entire, every episode we go through, she's 10. We don't trust her. And then they trust Leia with everything. Like they'll, they go from zero to 60 real quick of no, we're not going to let Leia do anything. Cause she's 10. She doesn't know anything. And then all of a sudden we're going to leave her in this vent to open up the thing for everybody. And everybody else is going to stop trying to help. And we're just going to trust that Leia is going to get it done. We haven't progressed to a point with Leia to where I would hope we had. I, her, I still, I still think I'm glad she was in this show. We're going to talk about how glad we are. She is in this show later, but she's, she's gotten the, the Leia storyline for me has gotten stale. I think it's been the same storyline three episodes in a row and I'm just kind of done with it. Well, it hasn't progressed. So what was, what was great in the first three episodes before she got taken again, was that we actually saw her interacting with Obi-Wan and we saw their relationship changing. Right. So including the discussions about her mother and are you my father and all of those kinds of things. And those all have ceased. Yeah. And, and even in, even in these last two episodes where they had to rescue her and even, and, and then this episode, it it's not even like what we used to joke about with bad batch where it was like, and in this episode, once again, Omega holds them all back because everyone, they have to, they have to slow down to make sure the kid gets out. Like <laughs> it's, it's that, there isn't even any of that tension around that. It's just kind of like taken for granted. Okay, she's she's here now, yeah. and I and I miss her banter. There was no, there's been no banter with her. Yeah, like she argued with um, with Haja for a little bit, and that was it. Then Haja just he's not the the Han Solo type that's gonna leave her high and dry. Like he doesn't want to watch after her, but eventually he just does. Well- Speaking of Haja, Khalil Nanjani with the single greatest over-exaggeration in the history of Star Wars press. 
when he tells the press in this series, you will see me hold a lightsaber. Yeah. I thought about that. Right. And when all it was he does is hold like Obi-Wan's <laughs> lightsaber in his hand. And that's considered, Hey, I've held a, I've held a lightsaber in star Wars. This is just like when Paul Bettany was talking about how he shared a screen with somebody he's always wanted to share the screen with. And it ended up being him as white vision. Like, just the total misdirect yeah because everybody went back to he held a lightsaber and when it was handed to him i laughed out loud yeah but somehow he can't seem to hold on to a com link yeah like that i think that there was a lot of lazy writing in this episode again some spectacular writing some spectacular action are we really gonna do like a home alone gag where the reason that reva finds out that Luke exists. Two, well, two things that are sloppy. One, I kind of took it as well. Sometimes these things happen in Star Wars, you know, like 3PO's head pops off and then it magically ends up on top of a, a, a battle droid. I didn't like it and I felt it was kind of sloppy that he dropped it and it just stayed there. But I was like, okay, whatever. Die I'll buy it. But I'm also supposed to buy that Bale is that sloppy that it's like, it's like, do you really leave a text message to the person you're cheating on about their, you know, do you really leave a message to your girlfriend about the person you're cheating on them with? Or like something like it was like, I know we're not would supposed to be communicating, but I miss you so much. Yeah. Why, why would you even say Tatooine? Why would you even say Luke? Like, even, even if you were going to say like, if nothing comes, it says for a fact, I have to help Owen. Like, I have to help Owen on Tatooine. Why wouldn't you just say, if you had to even say something, you know where if you I'll don't be. make it back, I'm going to take action on our contingency. Or I'm going to make sure, even if you want as far to say, like, I'm going to go, you know, take care of the boy. Like, she would have had to go after a senator to be able to get any more information than that. But she wouldn't have known where to go or how to find him. Like, who does that? Well, and then when, when the comlink hits the ground obviously you know that that's coming to that's going to come into play i i genuinely believed i didn't even think about the bail message i thought more okay reva's going to use it to communicate with obi-wan somehow mm. and she's she's coming back to the light side for lack of a better term um, i knew there was a voicemail waiting oh so, and there's the voicemail waiting and honestly what made it even worse for me is that it was like one of those T-Mobile commercials where you only hear like every third word, but every third word is like super important to piecing this entire puzzle together because now all of a sudden Reva has put together that Anakin has twin kids and one of them's on Tatooine. Like she figured out everything because Bale said every right word every four seconds and the logic is not there. And it even starts with, I know we're not supposed to be communicating, like really drilling at home. I, I always hesitate to use the term lazy writing, but I have to agree with you. This is absolutely lazy writing. It makes no sense. It doesn't fit the character whatsoever. And if we're talking about not fitting Bale's character, it doesn't fit Obi-Wan's character. If that has that kind of message with that kind of importance on it, he does not give that to Haja either. He holds on to that communication device forever. Well, one, that's an excellent point. Um, two, the fact that he would go outside without his lightsaber, like silly. This lightsaber is your life, right? That's what he tells Anakin. Why? Why would he hand off a lightsaber 
to a fake Jedi. And you're right, like the com link, it should have been like burn after reading. It should have been Mission Impossible. This 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 message will self destruct in thirty seconds. <laughs> like he should have he should have dropped it on the ground and stepped on it after he after he heard it. Like a lit cigarette. Right. Or there's there's no delete button. Like you can't you can't you can't swipe right on it to delete the message after you heard it, even if you need to keep the com link. I, I it's so frustrating. Like it's so frustrating, and and how convenient everything was. Like th- that's what annoyed me. Like if she had just listened to Bale's message, I would have been less annoyed. But it was the fact that we were only hearing every third word, and every third word was extremely important. Like he's gonna find you, children, Tatooine. Owen, it's like you come on, like come. Yeah, and on. and I get it. Like for for anybody who would say, well, look, George Lucas had some really lazy moments. Like sure, and sure. but I, I don't know. I none of them felt that convenient, except somehow Palpatine has returned. <laughs> right? Oh, I think, that one's I think still. That 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 one is the 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 emperor of all lazy writing. That one um, just makes me wanna. Ah! Yeah. So let's stop kvetching about that, though. I mean, I I just wonder, you know, maybe we're getting to it a little bit prematurely, but where do we go from here? Like, so they have to wrap everything up in this last episode. Leia's got to get home to Dumbo Organa, who doesn't (laughs) understand uh, the idea of being covert means that you don't actually say things overtly. Um, She's got to get home. We've potentially got to have some sort of resolution with Vader and Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan's got to get back to the desert and they've left us with this big cliffhanger of Reva knows there's a boy on Tatooine that she's got to go after. So I think she knows it's Anakin's kid too. Like that's the logic leap that we're making here, which is even more frustrating. So does she pull a classic Ben Demption and does she actually do do we actually find out do we actually get surprised and find out that she's She's not going to go after the kid. Like, who does she feel more betrayed by? Does she feel more betrayed by Vader, who she's been trying to seek revenge on for the last 10 years? Or does she feel angrier about Obi-Wan and want to go after Obi-Wan because she failed at this? Like, you actually raise a really interesting point there. Like, so now she, so let's, let's assume she knows, she knows everything. Does she hate Vader? Does her hatred for Vader go above and beyond because like she's not going to win his favor back. She never wanted his favor. So it's not even like she should go to him and be like, dude, make me the grand inquisitor. I've got even better information. She can't hate Vader any more than she did. There's, there's absolutely no reason for that because he treated her the way that she would have expected him to treat her knowing who he was, knowing she had this plan. It would be silly to me for her to hate him even more. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, so I think it's revenge on Obi Wan. Like, I just hope we don't do another, another situation where she beats him to the finish line, and we show up with Luke at lightsaber point, and yeah, which then echoes him dueling Maul in the desert. Do we need? Do we need two Tatooine duels protecting Luke? Then we're going to go through, does Obi-Wan Kenobi have the moral conscience to kill Reva? Because he knows that she has good in her, for lack of a better term. 
I think he does. I think, I think, I think he does he, too, but we're going to. I think, I think he would. I think, yeah, I think special, Sith, Lord, Sith Lords are his speciality, except for Anakin Skywalker. Yeah, that's fair. I think given, given the chance, except that, you know, Count Dooku clearly had his number, he would have killed Dooku. He did kill Maul twice. Um, I don't think he's got any problem with taking Reva out. The only other thing that I could think of, and it was just while while you were talking, maybe the other maybe the other thing is maybe she wants to kidnap Luke. Maybe she wants to go to Tatooine. You know, you bring up an interesting point. Maybe it's not that she wants revenge on on Obi at this point. Maybe she feels like that's her way to get revenge on Vader now. Because guess what? you killed a whole bunch of kids and left us for dead. I've got your kid. Bet you didn't know. The one thing, not the one thing, one of the things I did like about the way she knew Vader was Anakin is it wasn't like common knowledge in the universe, which I breathe a sigh of relief for, um, that she was really keeping that as a secret and telling Obi-Wan, I understand why she would tell that to Obi-Wan at that point except for the way she reveals it it sounds like it's something that vader wants obi-wan to know um that obviously isn't the case now knowing what we know but i'm i'm glad the the galaxy as a whole doesn't know vader is anakin like so that's that's good there i she already knows owen We've already played played that game. She technically doesn't know where Owen live. I was assuming she's going to. Oh, that's right. He did say his name was Owen. They met in the first episode, so it's not just she needs to go looking for a guy named Owen. She knows she knows, knows Owen. Yeah, she's held Owen at lightsaber point. Correct. Which is another thing. Why? Why would Bale say the name Owen? Except for we need Reva to hear the word Owen. Mm. It's frustrating. It's it's super frustrating. Uh, but Mike, I'm gonna lose it and i think you'll lose it more than me if leia and luke meet i am so out i I, I think lots of people are going to be way out i'm willing to overlook that i was but the learner now i'm the master obi-wan and vader had met since mustafar i was able to get by all of that but at some point we need oh she's pretty the girl in the hologram needs to remain a mystery to Luke because they're 10. You're not going to forget meeting this girl nine years earlier. You're just not. I mean, they may look totally different, but even, even still like still, you'd, you'd at least remember something. It's that moment. It, it would, it would diminish so much. Like the whole point, the whole point of it is that he sees this hologram of this princess in need and is immediately enamored. Like, because we're not, I mean, even, like, we're not even taking we're not even taking her home. We're not even going back to Alderaan because Bale's going to be on Tatooine. He's just going to take her home from there. So Leia is going to Tatooine. Oh, you're totally right. I didn't even think of that. Leia's going to Tatooine, and so I hope the handoff happens early, and like Obi Wan's, hey, I'm back, and then we get to do this whole. Reva has Owen and his family held hostage, and then Obi Wan's going to try to negotiate with her for a few minutes, say you're better than this and eventually have no choice, but to kill her. That's what I think is going to happen. But I really think we're headed to a point where Leia and Luke are on the screen at the same time. And I'm super nervous about it. I do not I, like that at all. No, I mean, it would give some new meaning to, you know, you know, 
it's you, Leia. You're my sister. I've known somehow. I've always known. I guess. But I don't want it. I don't want Don't it. do. Don't do it. Please don't do it. Uh, they've already done it. Whether they're going to show it to us or not, we'll find out. Yeah. Well, Well. if they if they are going to do it, they've already done it. So something that we've kind of passed over because you know, as we talked about earlier, like the the, the action with Obi Wan in this episode was him basically running back and forth between between the folks in the path and and Reva and the stormtroopers. But he's he's almost back to form. So He's he's close. he's he put on a robe this episode. So he took the next step. He actually put on a he actually put on a Jedi robe. Um, and he's he's swinging that lightsaber and deflecting uh, blaster shots like a pro again. Like he's he's level by level. You know, I'd, I'd say he's he's ten x even since uh, since being in the Fortress Inquisitorius on the Yeah. planet Nur in the Mustafar system. <laughs> He's getting it back. That's I mean all the more reason I still feel like there's one more something in our future. I don't know if him and Vader are going to there's no logical reason they would come face to face other than the logical reason being it's the series finale and you're going to do it again. Um there's no reason he would go to Mustafar at this point. There's no reason Vader has any inkling to think about going to Tatooine. So where do they meet? I don't know. How do you do it in 50 minutes? I don't know. I, I really Is it a longer episode? E even so, like we've we've always wondered, is it longer episodes? But even like one, nobody's hit an hour like on Disney Plus, like nobody's hit an hour. Um, WandaVision. Falcon Winter Soldier, Mandalorian. We always think that the last episode could be longer. Now, I mean, they could always prove us wrong. I don't think they're going to drop a 90-minute episode because they're not afraid of doing seven episodes either because they just did it with Book of Boba Fett. So you just tell the story in the length that you need to. So it could be a longer episode, kind of like the... I'm expecting one like the first one, which was like 52, 53 minutes. Yeah. I hope so. I, I'm I don't sure know what reason you have to bring. Myth. I mean... Yeah, I mean, I don't know what reason you have to bring them back together. Like, if if Anakin can't go to Tatooine, where where do they meet? Why do they meet? How do they meet? He has no reason. He has no reason to go there. If if Reva's contacting Vader, saying, "Oh, by the way, I'm alive and I'm going to Tatooine," and he shows up, like I'm going to be out on that too. Like, there's a there's a very fine line that they need to walk for me to to. And I mean, it's, it's Star Wars. Like they don't care if I'm happy. Like, I mean, it is what it is, <laughs> but at some point, like we are kind of the voice of the fan. Like we want to see certain things and not everybody's going to agree as evidenced by this fifth episode of, of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Most people are super happy with it, but I don't know. It just doesn't make a lot of sense, but you're the one that said it, that if Leia and Luke meet, I had not even considered it. And then I, I feel like it's inevitable at this point. And I'm, uh, I, Gosh, this show, I, I said it last week, this show has, has no possibility of be being better than the Mandalorian for me. And now I just hope it can be better than what it is currently. We'll see how they wrap it up. I, I mean, 
as always, we want to put our faith behind executive, executive creative director Dave Filoni. I mean, he's signing off on everything that happens. Is he, though? I have not seen his name in the credits at all. Like, I know he's, I, yeah, but he's at Lucasfilm, so he's got his hand in at least that point, but he's not even anywhere in the credits, so I don't know. No, he's not in the credits, but I, I was under the impression that the whole point was that he was supposed to be master of the timeline and that he was he was signing off on anything and everything that happens in canon. Yeah. Yeah, that that is a fairly, that is a fairly new promotion. This show was announced before that, so what falls under his umbrella? I I've, I have uh, heard I have heard even before you said it in our first episode in our preview that he at least had some sort of involvement, and he's he's the biggest reason why Vader is in this show, which checks out because Vader's been the best part of this show. AKA yeah. Dave Filoni should be involved, and in, I mean I love that man. Yeah, I mean, he's the he's he's. I don't want to say he's the sole reason that Vader's in the show, but he wouldn't have been he wouldn't have been in there unless he had been like, guys, you got to put him in. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine the show without him? Not the way they've constructed it now. Not with um, the like you. If you're gonna have Inquisitors, you got to have Vader. Like, yeah, because I can't yeah. imagine that the Inquisitors would not report finding Obi Wan Kenobi. Like he's. Even without even without them knowing the Anna, the the Anakin Obi Wan connection, mm-hmm. like Vader's had like something. the Jedi fugitive playing cards. Like <laughs> he's he's the Ace of Hearts, right? Like he's he's a big like he and Yoda are your two big cards that can't that aren't accounted for after Order sixty six, and we and and they know Obi Wan's alive, right? Correct. I mean. Mm-hmm. You know, Yoda, they can't even be sure that Yoda survived. They just know he took a great fall, you know, in the in the Senate. They found his they found his robe and his lightsaber. That's fair. Which is a question of oh, that I guess that's how Luke might have gotten it. I wonder where they were storing his lightsaber that Luke was then able to like take it out of the mothballs and, yeah, we, and have it. We talked about we talked about that when it when it happened. I, I don't even know. I don't even know how Luke gets it. But that, that's the kind of stuff like that's the kind of logic stuff I'm willing to overlook. It's exactly. Yeah. As, as, as Maz Kanata would say, but that's a story for another time. Exactly. I need that story of how the Skywalker saber was found. I do want that story at some point. I think that would be a very interesting thing. The Lando series. There you go. <laughs> there so the, I was, you have Lando walking on Benson. You have the Lando so, series taking place after empire strikes back. Well, uh, I, I don't know if it's real or it's just what we were all talking about that, it, that, you know, kind of an ideal situation for it would be you have Billy D talking and then you flash back and have Donald Glover play it out. I don't think I was part of that conversation, but that sounds awesome. Like a, like a Thor love and thunder kids, grab your popcorn. It's time to hear the story of Thor. <laughs> oh, Billy, Billy D would just end up there and be like, Lando never left because that's all he ever says when he talks about the character <laughs> Lando. So, who, who who was it? Somebody like two or three days ago tweeted, and it was the most amazing thing they said. It just dawned on me today that Billy D. Williams' full name is actually William D. Williams. <laughs> <laughs> I um, thought that was pretty boss. <laughs> I love that. So. Oh man, I don't know where we go. I don't know where we go from here, man. Like I'm, I I don't either. I'm super nervous, and I I mean it's the finale, but I watched Miss Marvel before Obi Wan this week, and I don't regret it. 
I that yeah, I gotta go back and watch Ms. Marvel. It's good, man. I like that show. Yeah. Tune I, just, into I have to wait for my kids. Yeah, I have to wait for my kids on that one. There that's one show they're into, so I promised I'll watch it them. Star Wars, I wake up and it's the first thing I put on on Wednesday mornings. I, I, I totally get it. I couldn't get to either one of them. Uh Wednesday was super busy at work, and then Stanley Cup final. We're up one nothing. Uh mm-hmm. by the time this is airing, we could be up two nothing. That's what I'm banking on. But um anyway, we uh like I didn't get to it until like after the game on Thursday or on on Wednesday, so it uh it took me a little time, but like because it's the finale, I'll watch Obi Wan first. But I'm uh I'm nervous, man. I know, I feel you. I mean, I feel like this episode has a lot of rewatchability in places, and it's what I've rewatched. Like I've gone back and watched the opening spar, and then some of the stuff in between. I've watched the Vader Reva duel more times than I can count at this point. I've kind of just had it on repeat. That was fun. Um, that was super fun. Super fun. I've been I've watched like some reaction videos on YouTube to to the to the duel. Um it's funny to hear them all at the same time say the exact same things. <laughs> there he is. Like inevitably every time the Grand Inquisitor walks back out, they all go, Oh, there he is. <laughs> so anything else that you're hoping for from the final episode aside from them not totally screwing the pooch? No, I, I, I don't have a wish list. I don't have any expectations. I genuinely don't. I don't think there's a spinoff series coming out of the show as much as people keep saying that a season two is in development. Like I, I do not want Lucasfilm flying by the seat of their pants. We knew that this show was going to break viewership records. We knew that was going to happen. That kind of stuff shouldn't happen. You need to plan your story. And you need to do what you can. You can't be in the middle of it and say, oh, people really like this. Let's make more. Like, you had to have at least had this as an option. You marketed it as a limited series. If you and McGregor's on board to come back as Obi-Wan, fig- I, I mean, go ahead and figure it out. But it just is total clickbait right now while the show's running to say, hey, they're going to do another one because people watch it. Yeah, we knew people were going to watch it. And I wouldn't even say necessarily people like it. I don't know. I I don't think it's the most well-received thing under the sun. Like, I know you guys are more positive on it than I am. But even so, I don't think either of you are really clamoring for a season two at this point. Uh, No. No. I I, I feel like we kind of got got what we needed. What's Obi-Wan been up to in the years in between? And I think, and I, I think, I think this answers it really well. And I don't think we need to overly saturate. Um, I'd almost be more interested if they like did the slightest bit of de-aging with him and went back and had some Obi Wan adventures that came up somewhere. Does um, the does the episode end with the Rogue One of Hope Princess Leia? Does it end with Alec Guinness's face on the screen? That's an interesting thought. Well, that's a very interesting thought. If they somehow like show how it fast forwards, they do like a like, like a, uh, like, a like a six end. feet under ending, or um, you know, one of the you know any of those others where it's like you see the future play out. That's really interesting. I love that. That's a really cool expect- idea, Brian. Now I want that. Some people expected Solo to end with like Chewie and Han walking into the cantina. Like that that didn't happen, but there was also expectation of a continuation of that story that who knows right. but, yeah but I, I 
the only, I don't know. I do think that we get some sort of look at Alec Guinness or Obi-Wan really make up up to make him look as close as possible to Alec Guinness. And it's still Ewan McGregor. I love that. I love that there's kind of like an epilogue to the episode where we watch him watching over Luke the rest of that time and we see him transform. That's that's a really cool idea. Well, I mean, the one obvious thing that that we haven't mentioned that we should see next episode, we better see next episode, um, is Qui-Gon. I forgot. I don't know if we're going to see him. I don't know, man. I mean, they, he didn't he hasn't they, spend any time in meditation. Like he hasn't. Well, but he's called he out for him a bunch of times. So, I mean, he, he, he hasn't called out for him. Episode. No, it's been a while. He, yeah. uh, I, I was hoping maybe we, he would try and commune with him in this last episode, especially when they were trapped. All the more. I thought yeah, it would have been. A, I didn't even I think. I feel like. I feel like seeing Qui-Gon in episode five would have been the thing. Like I was waiting for like a big cliffhanger at the end of five and Qui-Gon would be like the thing that motivates him to go on into six. Yeah. So I, I wonder where, where does he pop up, up in, in six? If Qui-Gon doesn't show up, that's going to make a rewatch of this series really frustrating. He has to, a, he has to, a, I don't know how, I don't know. In context. I don't know in what context he does but he has to for the first three episodes to make any sort of sense. That would be the, the, I mean, it's like the old, the old, I'm, I don't remember if I mentioned it on this before, but I've said it. It's like the old checkoff phrase. Like you don't show a gun in the first act unless someone's going to shoot it in the third, right? Correct. Like you don't, you don't introduce something like that, something that big and not pay it off. Like that would be really failed fan service. To be like, oh, he's been training, but he's disconnected, and then see him go on this journey and not be able to connect with his former master. Like that would be but such not, a bummer. Not only not to connect, like if he didn't connect with him, it is what it is. But if we're gonna spend time in the first three episodes of Qui-Gon, what do I do talking to him and clearly have never having seen him before? He has no idea how to make this happen. So right. I mean, is he gonna stumble back and be like shocked when he shows up? Like I I it could end like that where he's getting back into his Jedi training and that's how he learns how to commune with Qui-Gon and it and it has no impact on the story that would be a bit of a bummer it would have been a cool rocky moment like you said he gets pep talked and and that's how he gets back into it or like it's going to end with okay maybe this Jedi thing isn't so bad maybe I do need to because I still don't understand how in the first episode why he tells that one Jedi that it's over and can't do it, and then he tells Owen that the boy must be trained. Like that doesn't make a ton of sense logically either. So I I don't know. Um, Maybe he just feels like there's no hope until Luke, and it's like it's futile in between. Like, yeah, that, and that's fair. But if if Qui Gon shows up at the end, I'm also not going to be super stoked about it. Either. I mean, they could do that. I mean, that could be the last shot of the show is like him and like Qui-Gon looking all glowy and they could even get away with that. Like if they couldn't get Liam Neeson back, they could just kind of show him, you know, back to the camera with his his Jedi ponytail. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the fact that you get Liam Neeson to voice Qui-Gon's ghost in season six of Clone Wars tells me he's at least on board to come back and at least try something. Well, and he he had he has a he has a, a vocal message to Ray at the end of Rise of Skywalker too. Oh. Like he's not, he's not a wave force. No, he's not. He's not anti Star Wars, and he's not anti paycheck. So, <laughs> I mean, there there's only so many times that he can 
rescue some random person with this particular set of skills. That's fair. When we're done recording, so, I'm going to play a Liam Neeson sound clip for you about equal pay between men and women because it's laugh out loud funny. <laughs> oh, Liam Neeson standing up for the rights of everyone across the galaxy. Um, cool. Well, I hope I hope maybe you get, speaking of epilogues, I hope maybe you get an epilogue to this episode and you get to have Grand Moff Mark Valentine chime in, maybe get let him give his hot take on this last episode. Um, but then the three of us will get back together all together at last again next week after the finale. Um, I feel like we're going to have a whole lot to get into. So yeah, we'll look fingers, back not only across the stick the landing. We'll look back not only on episode six, but we'll look back on the series as a whole and kind of complaints or, or criticisms or anything that, that we may have one last criticism. I want to levy make the camera just a little more steady, please. <laughs> Yeah, I I don't know. I I well, we can talk about the overall direction of the show as well in, in next week's episode. I would I, I think there are things that were really wonderful and interesting, and then there's been some stuff that again just feels like did they put the second unit director on this shot? Like it just feels a little bit off. Super fair. So hopefully, in the words of Obi Wan Kenobi, we will be able to declare another happy landing next week. Um, but until then. We will sit in suspense and wait to uh, geek out over the final episode. Um, and in the meanwhile, again, if you like what you hear, uh, please like, share, subscribe, and uh, check out some of our past episodes. You can hear what we've talked about for the rest of uh, the rest of the season thus far. So, any any parting words, Master uh, Brian? Nope. nope. Nerd Life Network. Check us out. We're talking Miss Marvel on Earth's Mightiest Weirdos. Comics and Cinemas doing their thing. Um, Agents of Field. We did a fun MCU character draft, like we did for Star Wars. Um, playing sports, it was a lot of fun. The Nerdy Girls After Dark on Thursday nights, so lots of fun stuff there. Uh, but Babu's freaking podcast every Sunday night, eight o'clock. Well, not every Sunday night, but Sunday nights while everything's going on. And we'll be back next week. Outstanding. Well, thanks, Brian. This was super fun. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And until next time, may the force be with you. Always. Always.